Today we're talking about the ups and downs of Blaston's new Crackdown update, which adds a single-player campaign and new multiplayer lounge spaces. Hello, and welcome to Headmounted Destinations. This is a podcast about VR and VR game development. We provide our perspective as developers and provide a peek behind the curtain. I'm Matt, and I'm a gameplay engineer. And I'm your friendly neighborhood game designer, Carlos. Today we're talking about Blaston and the new update that got released, called Crackdown. It's time to buckle in and crack down with this new update. <laughs> Can we add a couple of gun cocking sounds in post? <laughs> I'll tell you what, brother, it's my right to carry these slow-moving pistols. <laughs> the right to bear slowly firing arms. It's right there. Thomas Thomas Jennison wrote it, I swear. So Blaston got an update. Yeah, this is a big one, and it falls in line with Resolution's other game, Demio, getting an update. They seem to kind of, like, timed their two titles to get big updates at around the same time or one shortly after the other, which helps towards that indecision factor that we like to bring up every now and then. I got kind of tired of Demio, you know, I played a whole bunch when the Elf Queen was out. We used the coin flip card on her, like, every chance we could, and then, you know, we fall out of it a bit, then the Rat King expansion comes back and i'm like ooh, piece of candy time to see the rat king and see how hard that is and then jump cut to like a week and a half or two weeks later i'm now looking at my phone like on the updates tab on oculus which like thank you oculus that updates tab is like pretty nice so i'll give you some points there but i then see blast on is like oh we have a campaign now and i'm like oh shit well i guess i'm done playing board games and i'm getting my ass like into gear dodging bullets and gonna try out this new campaign now, we talked about Blaston all the way back in episode four. For those of you who are unfamiliar, it's a game where two people play in an arena where you're standing on pillars and guns appear around you and you grab them and you shoot really slow bullets at your opponent and you have to dodge your opponent's bullets and deal enough damage to, to take them down and win the round. So we've called it a hypersport because it is like a sport. It's like dodgeball, but it's like better than reality. It has an impossible mechanic to it. Yes, we cannot go out into the real world in any form and like shoot slow moving projectile based guns at each other. And of course, like we don't have any uh, like special weapons that shoot like bigger like spirit bomb versions of bullets or anything like that. So this takes virtual reality, leans into it and like extends what is possible within the physical space to help create something that's only doable in VR at this current point in time. Hence the hypersport. It's fucking awesome. So this update is actually really interesting. Um, I think it's supposed to serve mainly as sort of a tutorial or introduction to the game. It's a single player. It's mainly a single player expansion. It, it introduces a campaign that's you're playing against five NPCs with different properties, but it also introduces some multiplayer spaces and the campaign serves as an introduction to those multiplayer spaces. So we'll break down the whole thing. Yeah, so to start that breakdown, just to kind of reiterate on the overview, right? This is a new campaign. Before, all you could do was go into the game and play like 1v1 with whoever, random queue or queue up with your friends, like make an arena friend code, that type of thing. The arc goes, you fight a guy, do an activity, come back to the main menu, fight a guy, do an activity, come back to the main menu. And that you do that for about five times in a row. 
the enemies in the campaign are mostly super simple, which is totally fine. The parts where they do try to add some sort of complexity or wrinkle to the gameplay, I don't think Resolution Games did all that they needed to do to communicate some of those gameplay parameters. What do you mean by that? There's like one or two bosses that you can only deal damage to at a specific time or by doing a specific action. Right, you're talking about the final boss who is like invulnerable to damage seemingly at random. Invulnerable to damage seemingly all the time. The only time I was able to, and I think there was maybe one more enemy that like could only take damage when he was uh, taunting towards the crowd, but there was nothing communicating that. I didn't even notice that. (laughs) Yeah, so like with this final boss, and sorry for the like light mechanic spoilers, listeners, the big thing they didn't communicate was that the only way to damage that character was to throw weapons at them. And I'm not sure like what they expected the route of discovery to be. Like, were they expecting the player to just like under duress, you know? Just do everything they could, realize everything's triggering zeros, and then just expect them to keep panicking till something triggers a number? Or is there actually a layer that I may have been missing where I'm like too, you know, too engaged with the intro uh, dance that she's doing or the like announcement happening for, for each intro? Uh, and maybe I missed the fact that like she's invulnerable unless you toss shit at her. But that just kind of felt annoying. I think there was uh, the other enemy may not have been invulnerable, but I think he just like is programmed to move out of the way of all of your bullets unless he's doing his like in between behavior taunt. And these things only came up towards the end of the campaign, which is why I think they were kind of like so jarring and introduced like such a weird friction to the experience. So I didn't notice anything on the final boss that would indicate that it, you can only damage by tossing weapons, but I actually really liked that experience. I think it nailed what they were going for, which is like, oh my god, why aren't my guns working? What is happening? And you're just like by the skin of your teeth managing to beat this final boss, which is I guess how it should be, right? It's a final boss, it should be hard. And mm-hmm. just the panic of like, Oh my god, only some things are dealing damage. Like what how what's the thing here? What what is the common thread? And then finally, at least for me, it was only towards like the very end of the fight where I was like, "Oh, it's my thrown weapons that are doing damage." And then I just started resorting to that and like barely pulled off a win. And that was like a real moment. That was a that was real emotion there. So I thought, sure, the UX could be considered poor, but in a way it resulted in a cool experience. Yeah, I get that. I had maybe a similar moment, except when I was, rather than being like, oh, my guns don't work. I was like, oh, the game is broken. Like, this has to be something (laughs) wrong. And I totally dig what you're saying. I dig if that's what they're, like, going for. I dig that. But the way it was communicated, just like, I I, something that could have been improved, potentially low-hanging fruit, is that when I go to grab my gun, like make it short circuit out rather than allowing me full functionality of the gun only to realize moments later after firing it that it's doing zero damage. Like it, it, it's, it would communicate everything probably much more quicker and clearly to me and as I can imagine other players, if we go to reach that gun in that final battle, maybe we shoot once or twice and it fizzles out. And regardless, if we shot once or twice, we see that deal zero damage and we know each gun we grab is going to break. 
And then we know that, oh, this gun is only useful as a projectile, thus the gameplay is leaning me into throwing these projectiles at the boss. So I guess, like, it is my biggest complaint is just like, hey, this really, you know, to be, like, really polished and feel great, it definitely should have had, like, some sort of teaching moment in that boss fight as oh so many other much more highly produced games do i think poor communication to the player of like expectations or i guess this could be considered like ux design user experience design of setting up the game so that it guides the player in the correct direction i think that was overall lacking from this yeah. update and the, the thing i want to highlight is the activities between the the matches in the campaign yeah so let me walk through my experience which is boot up the game i don't know anything about this expansion so i'm like oh cool first campaign mission there's like a little blurb on on the side of the main menu that gives you a little bit of story then you go in and you play against the npc and then afterwards it's in an arena with an announcer and the announcer's like oh well we set up for the next match go check out this lounge i'm like okay what what is this and then you know the game thus far as i've experienced it has been just standing in place there is no artificial locomotion you almost don't even leave the menu like you click fight in the arena and it just takes you to like the same fight environment so then you look to the right and there's a door and you can aim your controller at it and press a button and then you screen fades to black you fade into an area and suddenly you are in a new part of the game that has artificial locomotion. You can teleport around. You can grab stuff off the ground. You can grab these tokens off the ground, uh, which is sort of a new aspect to the game. Like before you were just grabbing guns that were coming in around you. You weren't exploring an environment. An alley, there's a little bit of a tutorial. You know, it's not great, but whatever. It's like, here's how you grab things and move. The tutorial is just a bunch of floating panels in a hallway, and presumably as you make your way down the hallway, you as a player are supposed to look left and right and read everything. Nothing like stops you or anything like that. But that's probably for the best, given it's like an explorable moment. And then you get to an alley, and you go into another building, and you go into an elevator, and this is where you're supposed to go. It's like, oh, the Ozo Lounge, I see the sign go into the elevator, there's a menu in the elevator, and you're like, okay, cool, second floor, hit a button, fade to black, and then suddenly you are in a multiplayer space. There are random people from the internet here in this lounge area with like a jukebox and an arcade cabinet and like a dance floor. Yeah, there's two floors, we should say. There's two different uh, multiplayer lobby styles. There's a dance floor one with like a jukebox, and each one has one arcade cabinet in it, and the jukebox plus arcade cabinet, all of these machinery things take the tokens that you can find scattered around. And I thought it was pretty cool, the options of multiplayer lobbies because one of them was kind of a, a dance floor way more focused on just like listening to music and vibing with friends if you dig the blast on soundtrack that much and the other one was kind of more of an open mic night type setup like it was a bar it had darts it had a bunch of tables with like a stage up front that you could actually like stand on top of and i was just like kind of giggling to myself while we were like checking it out and i'm just picturing like somebody being like what's the deal with all these slow moving projectiles for me the point that i want to hammer in on though here is that so there's an npc in the alleyway it's clearly an npc robot that like says some stuff and is moving around, has a little animation. And in the first match that you play, you're playing against an NPC opponent and there's an NPC announcer 
And those characters are a body and a floating head and floating hands, mm -hmm. which are like other players that you'll play in true multiplayer in a match. Mm -hmm. So I go into this room that I'm supposed to do for my, the single player campaign. And I see people, you know, a body, floating head, floating hands doing stuff. And it, it's worth noting that the NPCs have recorded animations playing where it's clearly someone who is, you know, a developer who is in the headset and is doing exaggerated motions. And then they they play those in order to give the NPCs more life. Oh, you're talking about the battle intros. Yeah, the battle intros, the taunts, the announcer mm -hmm. waving his hands and making motions. Like they're yeah, yeah, that really felt like the developers were just recording their like gameplay for the moment and then they just turned that into an animation. Yeah, it's it's a really elegant way of adding animation to your yeah. NPCs that make them feel more real and more human because it it is looks exactly like a human is doing it because mm -hmm. it is. Now the thing is I didn't realize that these characters in this lounge space were actually humans. Nothing was communicating that to me until, like, I heard voice chat. Like, they were doing animations, but it wasn't clear to me whether they were just, like, ambient NPCs to populate the space. The only indication would have been if I had seen when I went into the elevator, there's a little indicator of like two out of eight players with like a little person icon. It doesn't even say players mm -hmm. in the room. I'm like, I'm not expecting this to be a multiplayer space. So I'm not even, it still doesn't even cross my mind that it's a multiplayer space. And like, that was a very rude re realization when I was like, oh shit, these characters around me are real life humans with me here now that I can talk with. I think it's it's cool that they have this space, but that was a really bad feeling of like the game did not communicate to me at all that I was just jumping into a multiplayer space. Uh, yes, I get exactly what you're talking about. And I have a similar story. So the same part of the campaign where I had to first go to the Ozo Lounge. I go into the elevator thinking that I'm setting up a private room and I'm like, okay, let me play this arcade game in this private room. I explored it, did everything I wanted to do. And then halfway through playing the arcade cabinet, I hear like a door opening and closing sound and like fucking immediately like cold sweat breaks out on my brow because I'm just like, this room's private. Somebody has entered my house. What the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> And like, I'm like, I'm like two, I, I, one, I'm still trying to get this high score on the arcade cabinet for the objective and two i do not want to see if i am like now actually part of a real live creepypasta by like looking slowly to my right and discovering the monstrosity that's entered my private lobby <laughs> but it turns out that just i had actually made a public lobby with like zero people and the menu like you said rather than saying some things explicitly it leans on icons or other symbols but yeah, that type of thing. I wonder if maybe something could be done to help with that. Either like having characters fade in after some amount of time or like maybe popping up some sort of window to let you know like, hey, you're entering a room full of live people. Do you want to do this? Or does that just add a layer of friction because now you're like always having to click accept? No, I mean, I think it should at least happen on the first entry, like just out non-diegetically, right? Outside of the fantasy of the game world, yeah. a pop-up that's like, 
hey, you are about to enter a multiplayer area. Or even tutorialize the fact that you can create a private room. Mm -hmm. Because, like, not knowing that that was an interface to enter or create a multiplayer space, to me, it just looked like an overly complex elevator menu. Yeah. <laughs> where I was like, second floor, okay, I'll hit this button. Like, 101, is that the room number? I, like, I, you know. Yeah. So I think that needed a little bit more communication to the player of what's going on. And my other example of the game failing to really communicate effectively to the player is on the final boss. You know, the the whole campaign is intended to introduce the player to the mechanics of the game. So on the final boss, they introduce you to the mechanic of the shop, which is they have microtransactions. This is how they monetize the game besides the base price, which is pretty low. So you have to buy a skin and equip it in order to get past a scanner in the outer world and, and get to the arena with the final boss. Were you able to figure out what skin you had to buy? I inferred it. The okay. UI was like kind of broken. It was like, hey, you have to buy a mod ops skin mm -hmm. of one of these three characters. And so I purchased the skin for the character and went to the scanner and it didn't let me through. And I was like, what the heck? So I went back. And there's like a sub skin <laughs> that you have yeah. to buy after you buy the main skin. And it's not labeled as mod ops anywhere. So you just have to be like, well, I guess the special skin that I have to pay extra for the special sub skin is the mod op skin. I don't know. It's just like there was no communication to me as a player that this is ex this is what I had to do. I had to figure it out literally through trial and error. I had to do a thing, go and fail, come back. And like, that's not the experience that you want a player to have when they're trying to beat your campaign and learn how to use your shop. You, you want it to be straightforward. And Exactly. Like if you have the player using your shop, especially if you're hoping to be a very like MTX focused type game, microtransaction focused game, you want to make your menu systems as smooth and dopamine inducing as a iOS or fucking Android game. Like, you mm -hmm. want that to be smooth, call it out, make them joyous, that they make them want to buy things within the store, right? We are instead, we are instead being told, hey, go to the store. Like, we don't even necessarily want to go to the store because there's no inherent gain from it. But now we're being told, hey, go to the store. And beyond that, we're then being told, like, fucking find it on your own. Like, here's the title, find it on your own, which, like, in a mobile game, it would be like, oh, you know, hey, you you got a new character. Here's the part of the tutorial where you buy a new character. Click the character tab. And then like the whole golden spiral is happening around the character tab. And then you tap that and suddenly an anime character shows up and it's like, here's how you buy characters. OK, you're going to want to buy the the Daedalus uh, character so that you can get his mod op skin. And it's all highlighted in gold again. And then you press it again. And like they have this whole menu system. They clearly have, you know, ways to highlight and pulsate light on the things that you should fixate on. And that just wasn't utilized here. And that's unfortunate. It's certainly something, though, that can be addressed in future updates. And I hope it is addressed in future updates because this content is good, but it also presents a, a, some problems. This update has a good amount of content, but the UX just has so many hiccups that it makes it feel like a, let's say, a, a 6 out of 10 or a 5 out of 10 rather than maybe an 8. Yeah, especially considering it's designed as sort of an introduction to the game for new players. It's 
amazing that the UX is as bad as it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> but overall, I quite like the concept of this update, of this expansion. Uh, the idea of adding a world hub where you can go out into a space and there's potentially room for expansion, like they could put in shops or new areas to explore and then the idea of this elevator with the different floors right you can add floors to introduce new multiplayer lounge spaces and the idea of a multiplayer hub at all where you can just hang out with people those are all really cool ideas it all goes to speak to the ideas we've kind of been preaching, the extensibility of your game, like making that content modular in a way that it has hooks for you to expand into it. We've talked about the Ozo Lounge, and we've talked about the kind of like uh, closet area hallway leading up to it. Uh, there's this whole place called, I think, Scrapper's Alley that leads to the final boss area. And this is... Getting out of the Ozo Lounge, you're back in the alleyway and you go towards Scrapper Street. Now the game like really opens up and you're suddenly on like half a block of like you're on the street level of some cyberpunk atmospheric stuff going on. There's flying cars above you. This is the place where you can like look around the ground and find tokens to play the arcade games with. And it has a bunch of different boarded up doors and buildings that sort of allude to potentially new modules being added to the city as the game updates. It's worth noting that the campaign is labeled as Act 1. So they clearly intend to expand and add new acts to the campaign and add more stuff to this space yeah i like actually how the final boss ends speaking of the act one stuff because uh they make it they play it up and get really hammy to allude to like new entities coming to fight you because you've like shaken up the establishment by beating those five characters or whatever so i'm really pumped to see kind of like how the lore of the city grows, how the look of the city grows. Yeah, I thought the the way that they expanded just the base aesthetic of the game into this like cyberpunk world and it's kind of campy and the tone and the aesthetics in general, I found quite pleasing. Something I want to note and praise heavily is leaning into like cosmetics that really pop in VR and make sense for VR, like the character intros. As soon as I saw like the first character intro uh, for the campaign guys, like I think it was a big boar's head that like shows up. It's like almost as tall as you, but it's like six meters away. And then it like rushes you till it uh, reaches the pillar. And then the bad guy like spawns behind the smoke and it dissipates. I was like, holy shit, this is so VR. I fucking love this. <laughs> and even more so, I thought I want to go to the shop. To make sure I have this intro. And that, that's where like, you know, the light bulb went off in my head like, ding, like this is your moneymaker. Like, can you find a way to allow me to appreciate that though? Like, is it like WWE where I'm kind of like off to the side or somewhere like maybe underneath the arena and I slowly get risen up as like my hologram does its thing? And I kind of wanted also like something akin to Rocket League goal explosions, but I wanted the triumphant mm. like big emote moment. So if you went around behind both characters, right, like something would explode and an image would happen. Let's just say I have like a pirate's flag Jolly Roger as mine. So if I win the round, then a pirate's flag Jolly Roger, like fireworks explode in the air behind us. I do like how these intros are just clearly like a VFX artist having fun, <laughs> right? It's just like, okay, go like spend a day or two 
just put together something that's bombastic and cool. And, you know, it doesn't have to be anything specific. It just kind of has to be themed around. Well, for the for the campaign, it has to match the theme of the NPC. But right. yeah, as a skin, it's just like, oh, this one's really cool. Bye. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, what do we want to talk about when it comes to the multiplayer? Because we've talked about how they f- try to facilitate multiplayer through the lobbies and stuff, and they've even made a new arena for multiplayer fights. But there's something missing there. The main thing that I want to get into is the disconnect between the theoretical concept in the expansion and the reality. So it makes a lot of sense for Blast On to get an update that enhances the multiplayer aspect because mm-hmm. it is primarily a multiplayer game. And the really the thing that is missing in the base game was the ability to congregate and like have a sense of community, you know, meet people and and match up casually and chat like you. It's basically impossible to get to know people in the game because I don't even think there was voice chat. There, There is a Discord that they encourage people to use, and they, they encourage them to use it by giving away free copies of the game before. But part of the issue is that I don't think it's possible to jump into a game with a person from the multiplayer lounge area. Uh Oh, hang on. I'm not sure about that. Because in the open mic night lobby, there is a sign that says duel and it shows like two people doing a fist bump and i i don't know if we ever like incidentally tried this but it made me think am i supposed to walk up to people in the social lobby and then fist bump them to initiate a an Uh, arena match well if that is the case it is another example of terrible communication to the player exactly yeah like i like i started off with it is totally just a sign that is not fully explained it just says duel in like all capitals and has two fists punching i literally tried punching that tv screen that said it because i thought that was like the matchmaking button (laughs) it's like dude oh that's the key part of your game is connecting the lounge back to the the duels yes make it unavoidable to learn that thing can i add (sighs) something while still sounding horribly spoiled okay i am really disliking all the walking like thank you so much for giving us like added geometry and like a world to explore but when i was doing it after every match which like the match and the campaigns were taking me like who knows less than two minutes whatever uh they were fun matches but they were fairly easy I would have to like walk all the way through the hallway, yep. all the way through the alley, all the way into yep. the ozone lounge, then like do this like beep beady, beep beep beady in the fucking elevator, like trying yep. to set up the thing, and then I would have to walk into the into the place, and there was like then like I think that's like two or three loading screens total on top of walking, and basically by the second time through, I was like, okay, where's the hot key to go straight to yep. the dance floor? The hot key to go straight to Scrapper's yard, and that hot key never showed up. It's only the door yep. that takes you. And oddly enough, why is the door labeled Ozo Lounge if it like also goes out to the Cyberpunk City? So yeah. anyway. Yes, I'm going to sound a little bit spoiled and say, hey, I don't want to walk all over the place, but thank you for letting me walk all over the place. I had fun the first time I walked all over the place, but by the second or third time, I just wanted to teleport there and do my business. Yeah, I had the same exact complaint. I made a note about that. It's kind of baffling that you would introduce that amount of friction between lounge area and main menu. Even the fact that you have to locomote to get back to the main menu is like, 
bizarre game yeah flow. I don't, dude. like what <laughs> what the heck it's probably as quick for me to quit the game and relaunch it to get back <laughs> to the main menu yeah but there's something really cool about navigating a menu in such a physical like large-scale way that i really like i i re- <sighs> i don't know what it is i know i'm like speaking both sides of the coin and it's probably frustrating the sum but like there is just something really fucking cool about like just being able to experience that moment of like what my like I, I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like you're the Indian. I'm going to use like a very dated movie reference. Um, Indian in the cupboard, right? Like you are the, you are the small character, toy character in the cupboard. And now like resolution games have opened up the cupboard to show you like, here is Kevin's room. Like it's Toy Story. It's all just Toy Story. And you're like, whoa, my God. That's, that's awesome. I want to be able to experience that when I see new modules pop up in Scrapper Street. You, I know damn well I'm gonna to walk to it. I'm gonna soak in the city, and then like ten minutes later, when I have to go back there, I'm just gonna teleport there because I've already I've appreciated what you've done, and I just want to get to it. So they could have fixed basically all of that by making and uh, okay. Now that I'm thinking of this, it's bizarre that this isn't how it works. And maybe this was originally how they intended it, and they had to change it for some reason. But the door to the right in the main menu that says Ozo Lounge should just go straight to an elevator, and then the elevator should have buttons for arena, and then the two multiplayer areas, and then ground level. And if you do ground level, then you go out into the alley with the exit to the street. Damn, dude, that's a really good solve. That's a really good solve. Now, the only issue is that they put the tutorial in the space between the exit door and the ozo lounge so you have to account for the tutorial somewhere else but just do that by adding a tutorial level to the elevator i don't know i think actually you could still have that cake and eat it by providing a first time used type situation so it's like the first time you go through the ozo door you go through tutorial hallway and it like shows you all the things you need to know and then the Mm -hmm. second time you go through that door it just hot jumps you to the elevator that you knew Mm -hmm. was already at the end of the hallway and you're like oh sweet i don't need to do the tutorial and then maybe there's a big question mark button you know like the one that there is at the end of the tutorial hallway to pop it on and off maybe that button is just in the elevator so when you get hot keyed to the elevator and you're like oh i don't remember how to play you press that like how to play button and it takes you to the floor with all those tool tips again exactly if you make the tutorial an option in the elevator menu then it allows you to repeat that experience yes and most importantly it's like making that optional after that first time experience right Mm because like we do want them to know how to move through the land we're not saying take that away we're just saying like with a lot of things get your bang out of the first time you do it and then streamline it for all the following times so the player will want to stick around and keep enjoying your product I will be mildly surprised if they don't introduce some sort of hot jump option oh, from the main menu at some point in the future, because that friction is enormous and no one's going to use those lounges. Yeah. There's something to be said about reducing the friction entirely to linking up with your friends. Like, I can't remember how much difficulty we were having just trying to, like, get into a shared Ozo lounge, because, oh, well. like... well yes (laughs) we were having a lot of issue with it but it was like we were learning how to navigate the world learning what the interfaces exactly were trying to communicate to us and then trying to connect to each other when it really should have just been like 
either using the Oculus Travel Destinations functionality or just having a hot button within the main menu of Blaston itself, there should have been a way for me to easily like jump or connect with a friend. Exactly. So this is like the other big part of the multiplayer expansion, which they should have addressed this. This is if you're the whole point of your expansion is to get people to play together more and build more community and lounging around and chatting with people, make the integration with your platform features work, allow people to invite their friends via the Oculus menu into their private lounge or into a match. Currently, the only way to get into a room or a match with your friends is to either create a private match or a private lobby and then tell that room code to your friends over text or voice chat over some other platform and have them punch it in. There is an integration in the Oculus Parties menu. You can create a destination in Blaston that's a private Ozo Lounge lobby or a private arena lobby, and people in the party can click a button that says travel, and then nothing happens. If you're going to put out a multiplayer update, fix that so that it works. I guess like the only one or two games I could think of that like really happened to work with the Oculus Party's travel functionality is maybe Beat Saber and or Echo Arena. So that is all to say like, hey, this functionality is here. You know, people there, they are going to use the party chat to try and like link up and figure out what game they want to play. Let's try to like make the travel thing work. Whoever triaged that task to like a nice to have instead of a must have, shame on you. <laughs> you, you should uh, I'm going to cut you some slack, buddy. I'll cut you some slack. Just put it in a future update. <laughs> the last thing that I wanted to mention was you have to be very careful. This is a general rule is you have to be very careful when you are introducing new affordances into your virtual world. And specifically what I'm talking about is telling the player to go search the world for tokens. You're putting them into this space with a bunch of loose props like buckets and boxes and crates and little other things and telling them to go look for tokens. So of course, the first thing that you're going to do as a player is try to like pick up cups and turn over buckets and open boxes because you're looking for hidden tokens and none of these props are interactable. Your hand just goes through them. That's a bad experience. It decreases the immersiveness of the world. It's like, oh, here's this play space. Psych, it's just set dressing. You can't interact with any of it. It's like you're being presented a, a sandbox, if you will, a sandbox or a playpen with a bunch of toys. And then you reach out to grab like the Tonka truck and you phase through it, right? There's a sense of disappointment. Expectations were built up. Like the moment you walked in and you viewed things, expectations were made. And then you tried to act on those expectations and things went sour. And as always, we feel this ends up breaking a sense of immersion within the game because the I guess, consistent laws or rules of the world are showing that they are not consistent. Yeah. So I just thought that was a little bit disappointing. It was a little bit careless to just add in the idea of grabbing and manipulate. If, if they hadn't added grabbing of tokens from the world, which I don't really understand why they <laughs> added that, honestly. It does seem a little odd. I would have maybe just done like another mini game to farm tokens that would have been perfect yeah. oh ooh, idea brain blast right here 
remember those like uh wind tunnel chambers that have money blow around them and you're supposed to like catch all the money no but go on Okay, well, something to that effect, except, right, this is how you farm tokens, right? So you're in a, you're in like a small chamber. It's just standing room only. Uh, no, no locomote around. And then like tokens could just like either like float around you or fire across you in some sort of like fun pattern. And then you got to like time yourself to like reach out and catch them. Or it could be like a survival mini game where you're surrounded by like, a, a grid of different like cannons and they're shooting like the different projectiles at you right and then however long you survive you generate tokens off of that it's, it's leaning more into the like dodging and maneuvering aspect of the core gameplay but that to me feels like it makes more sense within the world compared to going around and picking up coins off the ground which happen to be just everywhere like instead you're going to do an arcade game to earn coins that will then allow you to do other arcade games that might be like more complex or or something i guess to kind of bring it all to some salient main thought it's like we had fun playing this content update and we did point out a lot of issues with it but i think overall i'm very like positive and excited about it the concept of the update is almost impeccable like it's absolutely the right direction to take the game and similar to how other games like say pistol whip are slowly with updates building out their tech stack that's what resolution is doing with blast on it's absolutely the right direction to go and i think it will keep them in a good place in the vr games market we were a little critical just on execution mainly um, and that can always be improved in the future. In the last moments, while I was very frustrated, I got very excited for the like technical potential that I was seeing. Like they kept pushing the bounds with different technical things, like doing these cuts, almost cutscenes, but they're acted out by like developers or whoever, like recording their motions and they're applying it to the character. And I'm like, oh, okay, this could potentially be cinematics in the future. But this is already like light cinematics, but maybe we have something more. And it's, it could almost be kind of like Shakespearean because they really have to ham up their gestures. The other thing that like really excited me too was seeing the final character in the campaign having this like fully modeled humanoid face and actually like speaking lines with the lip flapping that was added to it i was immediately like oh wow the character models are being improved too so really like this content update does a good job of showing that resolution games they are reaching out and expanding in cool ways and showing off that they at least are attempting to build out their tech stack to like support these newer and cooler things and i think in act two we'll probably see more characters with these like voiced outlines maybe we'll see cutscenes that don't immediately lead into a fight like who knows i'm just very excited for the future with this update it shows a lot of potential and there's even still a lot of potential to improve what's already there just by smoothing out some of the things we mentioned if you liked this episode of head mounted destinations please share it with your friends word of mouth really helps us out to get notified about new episodes go to headmountedpodcast.com and sign up for our email list you can listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to discuss this episode or suggest future topics, visit our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast. 
Thank you so much for listening, Traveler, and we'll see you at the next Head Mounted Destination. Thank you.